Hey peeps, it's me, Christine, and I want to share with you a game-changing product that has improved my sleep and daily health. So let's dive in. You all know through my journey, I have struggled with sleep, being afraid of it, not getting quality sleep, and not being able to regulate my temperature throughout the night. I definitely learned the hard way, but sleep matters big time. It's when your muscles repair, your brain detoxes, and your body can work on cellular renewal. We just can't afford to miss out on an adequate amount of high-quality sleep, which is kind of hard when you have a rare disease. There's not much that I control in this real life, but one of the easiest and most effective ways to get better sleep every single night is through temperature regulation. Studies actually prove cooler temperatures lead to a deeper, more restful sleep, and that insomniacs actually lack this natural drop in core body temperature, which is what keeps them up at night. Personally, I run hot. This means that even if my room is super cold, I wake up in a pool of sweat, uncomfortable, changing my clothes several times throughout the night. It's frustrating for obvious reasons, and this is why I was so relieved to discover this transformative products from Chili. The Cube from Chili Sleep is a system that fits right over the top of your mattress and uses water to control the temperature of your bed, which helps lower your internal temperature and triggers deeper, relaxing sleep. Since water has 30 times more thermal conductivity than air, these systems are a lot more effective than just cranking up the AC. I mean, I keep my house at 65, so it has to be true. Ever since I started using the Cube system, I've noticed I fall asleep a lot faster, sleep deeper, and wake up feeling fully rested. (laughs) Now, my wife is not a polar bear like me and likes to sleep a little bit warmer, so I love that we can each have our own temperatures on either side of the bed. Chili products can range between 55 and 115 degrees. Right now, Chili is offering my audience a really great deal. When you go to chilisleep.com backslash findyourrare20, you get 20% off the Cube All Sleep Systems with Find Your Rare 20. Sleep is something we could all use more of, and we can all take small steps towards getting better sleep to improve our life in big ways. I hope you'll check out the Chili Sleep System and see why I love their product so much. Hey, peeps. Welcome back for a bonus episode of Because We Are Strong. This week, we sat down with Alex, who is the CEO of Patty and Ricky, an online department store whose mission is to be an adaptive fashion marketplace for adults and kids with disabilities, chronic conditions, patients, seniors, and caregivers. We are so excited to learn more about this amazing company. I'm your host, Teresa. And I'm Christine. So let's dive in. This is the Because We're Strong podcast, where we sit down every week to get your stories and insight on how to navigate this rare life. You can expect everything real and raw in the hopes that your story, along with ours, helps another person who is dealing with a similar rare struggle. So grab your favorite drink, a comfy blanket, and buckle in, because rare disease isn't for the faint of heart. Wow, Alex, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. It means so much. Alex, I believe we crossed paths on Clubhouse. And as soon as I became part of Rare, I knew I wanted to connect with you. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, for sure. Um, Well, I'm Alex. I am the founder and CEO of pattyandricky.com, which is the adaptive fashion marketplace. I launched Patty and Ricky 
uh, oh, oh my God, it's, it's crazy, almost four years ago. And, um, you know, I, I'm on a mission to really create a beautiful shopping experience for people with disabilities and chronic illness. And, um, I, myself, I have, um, uh, invisible physical disability called POTS. I'm dyslexic and ADHD and I have anxiety and depression since I lost my mom, Patty. Um, and my mom, Patty was this incredible woman. I talked a lot about her when she was, even when she was alive, she was the most incredible woman I had ever met. Um, she was my everything. And when she got diagnosed with brain cancer, when I was 19 and I became her caregiver, it was just her and I. And there was nothing fashionable for her. This was 12, almost, it'll be 13 years in September. And um, there was nothing fashionable for her that was functional. And my mom was in the New York City fashion industry. She loved fashion. And she got diagnosed with brain cancer. She was going through chemo. She had been weak. And um, she needed a cane. And she, of course, wanted a leopard print cane. <laughs> I could not find her one. Um, <laughs> I, I searched, so cute. Let me tell you, ladies, I searched. Um, but I ended up getting her a pink cane with roses that was really beautiful. And I saw that people, because of her cane, would it became a conversation piece. They would say, oh, Patty, where did you get your cane? Uh, what are you and Alex up to this weekend? How are you feeling? How's work? And prior to having the cane, people didn't know how to approach her. And um, so I really saw the power of fashion with my mom. And growing up with my cousin, Ricky, who was a one of my very good friends, we had a very close relationship. He was born unable to walk or talk. And he re really created the lens in which I saw, see my own disabilities um, and the world as disability just being um, a part of being human. And um, so I brought, um, four years ago, I brought together 12 adaptive fashion brands. Today we have over 100 with over 5,000 SKUs. And we really just wanted to be a beautiful shopping experience. And, and something I am really passionate about is then how do we take this how do we take Patty and Ricky and all of our designers and thinking about um, adaptive, inclusive fashion, taking it mainstream? Well, uh, everyone, the podcast episode is now over because she just <laughs> took my entire script and mashed it into one beautiful sentence. <laughs> the best part about being the host is that you can re-ask the question. So bear, bear with me because I do want to backtrack a little bit, Alex, because you said yes. so many amazing things. Um, I am not as eloquent with my words. However, um, my heart is definitely with you and so much of what you said. Um, I think I can speak for both Tico and I when I say we are so excited that um, Rare is becoming getting an opportunity to become a part of the Patty and Ricky family. Um, you I probably don't wait. know, but I, I know our listeners right now are shaking their heads in agreement when I say I'm a very symbolic person. So when I saw the name Patty and Ricky, although you already kind of alluded to it, I knew there was a meaning behind it because your name is Alex. Yeah. So at first I thought like I read it and I was like, hmm, Tico really like, how'd she even find this person? You know, there's <laughs> founders and CEOs and there's, you know, um, these people who are above and then the CEO's name's Alex. It's not even named after her. Like, oh man. And then like, I read a little further and I was like, okay, got it, got it. Um, and I was like, symbolic. I can't wait to find out why. Can you tell me a little bit about how that came to play when you like were envisioning this marketplace? Like what between yourself, Ricky and Patty, how did you triangulate, I guess, a lens for there? Yeah. Yes, definitely. And don't worry. I, I miss, I, I, I left a lot of things out that I think are still really important to the story. So don't worry. Um, I, um, yes, I definitely can. You know, I, 
um, after I lost my mom, I was in college and I went back to college. I finished college. I knew that she wouldn't want me to have, um, her passing away and her cancer to like hinder my education. Education was really important to my mom. So I went back to college. I ended up going to New York city after college and worked for a nonprofit that matched college students with learning disabilities with kids with learning disabilities. And I was studying at Columbia university teachers college. Um, I studied disabilities. Oh, time out, time out. This was going to be a good partnership until you said Columbia. I went to NYU. Oh no. Things are not guys. Turn your radios down is where it all ends. No, I'm just kidding. But there, for everyone, um, there is a rivalry. And like, but, you know. Yes, definitely. You know, oh, man. Well, I mean, this partnership means a lot to me. So I'm willing to no, no longer keep it up there. I'm not going to lie. I have zero ties to my NYU roots, except for, like, when I need to, like, put that into a degree of mine. But uh-huh. um, and any time to, you know, bring up New York and, yes. you know. Are you a New Yorker? I am. Yeah, me too. Well, I'm Jersey girl in New York City. So see, another reason we're supposed to be friends. I have- see, My parents live on the Jersey. What exit on the Jersey Shore? 109. Oh my God. If you know that question, do you see how fast everyone she answered that question? What about I'm you? I'm right now going a little bit. Oh, <sighs> so my parents are 36. Okay. Um, but I mean, who doesn't love a good like Wildwood weekend? We've got, so you know- BJ, well, I mean, yeah, we could talk about this offline because I now know that we are, we can, any of our likes, um, uppity Columbia NYU roots clearly merge in Jersey. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Again, meant it. to be friends, meant to have a partnership. Love it. But I was studying at, at Columbia. I was working at this nonprofit and um, I wanted to, you know, I, it was, re- it really became important to me to bring disability chronic illness together, to bring the disability community together. I think it's incredibly important that we all um, are empowered and embrace our own labels. Um, But then how do we then all come together? And I became very passionate about that. I ended up leaving the nonprofit I would work for. And I was like, okay, I got to start my own nonprofit. Um, And so I started a nonprofit called Thinkability, which in New York was starting to kind of get off the ground a little bit, teeny bit. And then me and my now husband, we moved to Denver, Colorado. And it was really hard to sell this, this free program to schools. It was just another thing that it was just, it was just a difficult sell for me. So honestly, I got into bed. I put the covers like over my, like over my head and I could not get out of bed. I was really having a hard time of what I was going to do. And, um, for, you know, you're an entrepreneur when, yes. And, you know, I was just, I just wanted my mom and I was really having a hard time. And I was on Pinterest, you know, probably I'm just, I'm a dream board maker. Us ladies will have to share. I'll have to show you my dream boards offline. I'm very all about my manifesting of my dream boards. So I was probably on oh Pinterest like, making a dream board, <laughs> like such a door. <laughs> I love this. And, um, I came across Magnoretti magnetic shirts and this was four years ago. And I thought to myself, and there's a picture of them. And I said, whoa, is that magnetic? And I said, wow, why are we not all magneting? You know, why are we, why is anyone anyone buttoning? You know, like why, maybe this is just like that instantly came to me. And I was like, I got to talk to them. So I ended up calling Magnaretti that day, thought I would talk to customer service, ended up talking to my now very good friend, um, Mara Horton, who's the founder and CEO of uh, Magnaretti. And um, she, 
I, I, it was just amazing to speak to her. And I asked her, I said, is anyone bringing you guys together? You know, cause everyone was separated four years ago. There was no one really yes. bringing, bringing these companies, these incredible, like, you know, you are an innovator. I just wanted to help with selling it. You know, I, I, uh, I'm not a designer. I knew I'm really, did you always have a business mind? Um, my, so my, I always say that I was born into retail. My parents, um, so my, my dad brought Swatch Watch to the U S in the eighties. Um, oh, uh, just North, that little thing to North America. And my mom worked for Swatch. She went on to work for Kenneth Cole. My dad went on to work at Christian door. So my parents were very much, um, uh, they were in the fashion, they were in retail. They were constantly talking about logos and, and strategy. And, and I was like the little kid, you know, at the, you know, like probably falling asleep at dinner, listening to them kind of like have these incredibly passionate conversations about business, you know, that was like, I love that what you're saying. Oh my gosh. I always say, um, the same thing about my parents. Like I'd get so mad at them because all they would talk about is the business. And I was like, I will never go into business. (laughs) but it it does ingrain in you though something slightly different the idea of of really what the groundwork is to make it happen definitely 100 percent. and I, i will tell you both of my parents did not want me to go into retail they did not want me to sell things to people and after my mom passed um and i came up with patty and ricky years later i said to my dad i said dad like you know, and I, all you want is your dad's approval, you know, like, like I, all, that's all I wanted. And I was like, dad, what do you think? And my dad's like, uh, I don't know. And I was like, dad, this isn't selling stuff to people. This is selling empowerment to people. This is a, this is, this is a game changer for people. This is life changing these products. And, um, and with my mom, I wish I had them, you know, and for, I knew Ricky would have loved. So the reason to answer your question, I apologize. I'm all over the place. No apologies uh, here. <laughs> I, uh, I, I named it Patty and Ricky. So when I was laying in bed on Pinterest and I saw that magnetic shirt and I ended up talking to Mara and, you know, I decided then I was going to bring designers together. You know, I, I wanted to create, a, I don't, I'm trying to think of exactly how it came to me. I guess I just, I really thought about how, how I have this, I do, I, I do think I have a, a really incredible lens that I see the world around disability. I'm so grateful for the lens I see the world. And that lens was created yes. by me and my experience with my mom and my own disabilities. Um, so I think that's why I came up with the name. Um, and I also knew that my mom and Ricky were such incredibly cool people when on this planet that I knew that if, if I named it after them and I thought about them in terms of the products we onboard, that we would be a, a beautiful and cool shopping experience. So, and would, and, um, and I knew that they would like lead us in the right direction, um, and make it successful. So, um, it's definitely can sometimes be difficult for me to talk about my mom and things. Um, but at the same time, I love that I can, kind of talk about her every single day. I love when people accidentally call me Patty thinking that's my name. Like, you know, it's, it's, um, you know I, I used to talk about my mom. It's a, a why. Yes. If that makes sense. When things get really hard and I think in life, things get really hard. And I think especially in business and in what you're doing and, and the struggle it is to just be seen and with what you're doing, even though it's amazing, everyone loves it when they see it, it still needs to be seen. And those low moments, I'm sure having such an incredibly strong why is what gets you through. Yes, definitely. Definitely. For sure. I, I can't agree more with that. Can you talk a little bit about what types of products people can expect to find when shopping at Patty and Ricky? Yes. So, um, so when, with my passion of bringing the dis- disability community together, it was really important to me to have products 
for whether you're born with a disability, you acquire a disability, you have an invisible disability like anxiety or ADHD to have products for, for you, um, to also if you're aging, and um, if you have a temporary, even a temporary disability, um, if you're up on the ski slopes, you break your arm, you got to be in a, in, a, in a wedding coming up, we get a lot of um, uh, bridesmaids who need a beautiful arm sling. <laughs> so maybe they- I were, love you know, this. Yeah. So it was I important. I think of that. Right. I know. And we, of course, people, um, many people that have had strokes also use the beautiful arm slings, but it was important to me to bring disability together, whether it's a visible disability or invisible disability. Um, and also, of course, we, we are an adaptive fashion marketplace for people with disabilities and chronic conditions, but, um, we also have products for people that are temporarily non-disabled. Um, I really believe that most of the fashion we're carrying and accessories are, um, are designed inclusively they're you know and universally for everyone so i really do hope in the future we can move towards that some of the to answer your question more specifically we have um but we have a fabulous accessories we have women's men's and kids accessories we have clothing we have shoes um we also partnered with zappos adaptive and juniper unlimited to carry some of their products so um when you're on patty and ricky it may send you over to juniper and zappos and that's because of our partnership with them um we have rain capes and um we, we're actually working with open style lab now at a parsons school of design selling their hackability box love them yes right like great yes I think the best part is always like if it was in like Lord and Taylor's rest in peace, Lord and Taylor, if it was in Lord and Taylor's, right? Like you don't have to, because it's accessible. It should not mean that like somebody who does not need that accessibility um, shouldn't pick it up and love it because of the style, right? Like, because it's their style. And I think that's so important. I think so too. And I will tell you, I can give you a little insider information on this podcast that I am working with a big box. here first. Yes, heard it here first. Everyone. It's um we I am working with a big box retailer and um I can't say who it is, but I'm gonna be um I am their adaptive fashion expert and we are onboarding some Patty and Ricky designers to go um to uh, and I'm working as their sales rep to to bring them forward and go mainstream. So hopefully you will be able to to walk or roll in. Um right now it's just starting online um because of due to COVID and things, but um we do hope to do a test in store. So um but um it's really exciting time. How has it been to get the momentum going in accessible fashion? It's interesting. You know, when I started Patty and Ricky four years ago, um we were the inclusive fashion marketplace for people of all abilities. And, um, you know, everyone kept asking, you know, Alex, you, you know, you have some plus size clothing, but you know, not all of your clothing is plus size. And I said, Oh, you know, I don't really have any control over that. I, you know, I, I, tr- I try to support my designers to make that happen. Sometimes financially, it's just not the time for them. Um, so I, I wasn't feeling like the word inclusive was working for us. So, and because of these big these big boxes like Zappos, who we love, you know, using the word adaptive. And, and the way I look at adaptive is um, the clothing is being adapted for the individual with a disability um, because the clothing is what's the problem. And um, just like the social model of disability, our environment is what needs to change. So I think our clothing needs to change and be more functional. Yes. Um, so that's how I look at it. The word adaptive, I know, um, you know, but at the end of the day, I, I'm following people with disabilities. I will change it a million times if that's whatever the, the word is for people. Um, I will say that the word adaptive has gone over better uh, in terms of sales and people understanding what the product actually, what they actually do and why um, 
why they're something that people should purchase a need. Um, and, um, but you know, you know, I th- so that's been something as language to answer your question is that, you know, I, I, you know, I consider myself disabled. Um, but it depends on how I am doing that day. Sometimes I'm a person with a disability because sometimes, you know, um, it, yes. it depends how I'm feeling of whether or not I'm going to be using identity first or people first language. I kind of bounce around between both of them. Um, but it's interesting because in terms of sales, because that's my job, you know, I want to sell this. I want to, I want to support these designers. They are the innovators. Many of, many of my designers have a disability or a loved one with a disability. And, um, I, I, I want to make the money. Um, and I don't want to get their products in the hands of people that could really benefit. They can be life-changing. So I always say adaptive, yeah, adaptive fashion is, um, is life-changing for people with disabilities, and, but it, but most of it works for everyone. I agree. And I will, I just want to uh, insert right here that you said something brain fog, let it come back, please. Let's see. Um, you, you said so many good things. Oh man. One, I completely agree about like language. I'm the same way. Like I want everyone to come and come as you are. Tell me what you need. I will do my best to make it a safe environment for everyone just because it like language. I love words personally, but that doesn't mean it's taken in by everyone. You know, everyone comes to the table with something slightly different and, you know, moments that get them to why those words are triggering. So I want to respect that as much as possible. So I love that that's like part of your. Oh yes. Um, it's so important. I, and, and, and you bring up a really good point. Like everyone's, you know, it's a journey, you know, it's a journey. Um, and, you know, even in terms of my own empowerment and becoming uh, self-advocate. Uh, it's taken time and everyone is where they're at. And that I want, I want everyone to feel included, um, at Patty and Ricky and, um, and to know they're going to get fabulous, you know, um, customer service and, um, and really quality products that are going to last our products. Um, you know, we make sure to get samples of every single product we carry, um, to make sure the quality is there and it's products that, are going to last. And, um, I'm really proud of all the designers and products we carry. And, um, it was really important to me that it's just products that I also want to wear. Uh, we have these beautiful, um, fidget jewelry that I wear every single day. Um, I also, um, we have, um, beautiful life alert. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, emergency alert is what I'm supposed to say. Emergency alert pendant necklaces that look like beautiful high-end jewelry. You would never know. Like if, you know, I live in Denver, Colorado, but when I used to live in New York city, there is no way my mom wouldn't have had that emergency alert pendant around my neck because you press at the back of it and you have emergency support, you know? Um, so again, it's of course for people with disabilities. Um, and again, it, it, it provides so much independence for people with disabilities, but also as a woman in New York city, it's I was going to say, I'm a true crime junkie. And let me tell you, Yes. Whether I have a disability <laughs> or not, I'm going to need some sort of backup support here. Right? I know. <laughs> I think that's the New York um, word up, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the girl who like listens to murder or calm or anxiety. Don't judge everyone. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to touch on too, like, you know, I think there's this misconception that, you know, why this is so important to go mainstream is is more than, you know, even for the people able-bodied to know it's the fact that for me to um manufacture my my tech pack right i it was a five thousand dollar investment for 
a very low quantity of them, like under a hundred. So my point being is that, you know, you look at these prices and yes, there's no, um, chronic illness, rare disease, disabled owner who likes putting things up at these price points. But what, what's, no one's doing it because I'm sorry if I see one more quote unquote adaptive sweatshirt that is legitimately just like a hat, like, you know, those V like the zip, like down to just like midway through your, what is that? Those calls? Yes, like, I, don't, I don't carry the ones you're talking I, about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking? Like that's, I, I love those sweatshirts. Don't get me wrong. I rock them. To consider that adaptive I from like a big designer is, is disappointing, right? To hear that, you know, people, um, and so, right, like, what do you do? And I think that's why it's so important for us to get into mainstream because there, like I said, there's no designer, no owner that doesn't want it to be a lower yes. price and, and like access, accessible, accessible, which is funny, yes, um, you know, financially. Yep. No, I hear you. And I think you're going to be excited with what I'm, I'm actually working on. Um, well, I agree with you. Right now, our prices are higher than our customers would like, what our designers would like. But everyone, like you're saying, all of my designers are tiny companies, mostly in the United States, most manufacturing in the United States, some not, um, in small, small quantities with really high quality materials. And um, it's expensive. And, allergen- all- and like making sure that there's no, like, it's organic so that there's no like mass cell. And, and like I said, this isn't a, this wasn't a price thing about you. This was, I was thinking about my, you know, the biggest thing I get told about the accessible sweatshirt is $76 for a sweatshirt. And, you know, I have this part of me just like puts my head down in shame because I, I, I do feel that way. Um, Like, oh my gosh, like I wish this was more. And then I also think though about like a Taylor Swift sweatshirt that I buy that is made somewhere else. And I love you, Taylor. Please don't take this offensively. But, <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, I, I, for, you know, $56 and my whole point though, right. It's just that that sweatshirt has nothing to it. So I tried yeah. to put so value in myself. Adaptive features is very expensive. I, you sent me a sample of your product and I will tell you that it is extremely high quality. It was not cheap to make that. It was very expensive. I'm sure you're not making much on those. And, (laughs) and, 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 you know, I think that the fact that, you know, I thank you for bringing them to market. And, you know, I think I'm excited to show that there is a market so that you can buy in bigger batches. Um, and maybe the price could go down in the future of people that can afford them, buy them. Um, and you know, my hope also is, um, with Patty and Ricky, I am actually working on starting a trade association of Patty and Ricky designers um, so that you guys can all come together and support one another and that we can create a trade, like an official adaptive fashion trade association so that you guys can talk so manufacturing. Cool. So you guys can talk about the mistakes it, or the things that have worked and not worked. I really am passionate about starting a trade association of our designers because you are the experts. I, 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 you know, I really think that you guys should be paid consultants. Like I I think that if, if some, if a brand did want to start their own adaptive lines, of course we want to get your products out there mainstream. But I think that there's nothing wrong with designers coming together. I, I know that might be unusual for other fashion industries, you know, maybe, you know, high end fashion or you don't, you don't think of fashion and you don't think about, 
businesses collaborating. But I think in the adaptive fashion space specifically, I think if we don't come together and start having the same similar language, the same um, the same messaging, of course, they're going to be different messaging, but similar language, because I think sometimes we're all running in different directions, just trying to get somewhere. And I think if we came together, because we're all doing it a little differently, which is great. But if we had similar yes. messaging, I think that we could really, you know, take this to be the next maternity plus size, and then just hopefully one day just close. Um, so I, I just I love everything you said. And I know Tico's probably Tico always quotes me when I say Go on, Tico, say it. Oh, community over competition. And that kind of goes into like what I want to talk about next. You, I swear, guys, she stole the script before. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's great. Are you kidding? I just, um, naturally, what would be an episode without my ridiculous commentary throughout? <laughs> um, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so wh- that point that you're making, though, that, um, Coming to, it may be unusual, but there is a space for all of us. And we're all doing, we're first of all, we're all doing, in my opinion, I would love to hand over every sales, marketing. I don't know, Teresa, what else do I want to hand over? Podcast, anything that is not my iPad, my pencil, my um, notebook of ideas. Like I want to hand that all over, right? Because like that's what I love doing. I love like the ideas flowing from my brain. It's my escape, um, and that's. I'm gonna make you not do that too much because I want you to get but paid the, for no, it. No, exactly. But, but I would. This I, is why, though. We like to, to you can't. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, how do we start working more together? Yeah. So that, like, for yes. instance, I'm 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 genuinely, and people, this is not going to be a point of view most people agree with but like I'm genuinely upset that like I got sick um I uh needed I found like this need of like just feeling like degraded when I was at treatment and I moved forward because I couldn't find anything and I couldn't find anything mind you this wasn't me you know in my when I first just typed in rare into google like I typed into google like you know adaptable or what I thought were at least keywords for where I was treatment, whatever have you. And Patty and Ricky didn't come up. Um, Adaptista didn't come up. Mm-hmm. And so we're all here doing all this hard work and we're not showing up. And like, ultimately, right? Like, how do we start making all of us more visible so that, you know what, so that someone doesn't have to reinvent the wheel. If you want to, that's completely different. But a lot of people do it because they have no choice. Exactly. No, I, I hear you. And, you know, I think that, well, one thing is, I think you, you mentioned it before, you're all do all the different designers that are out there, you're all doing it a little differently. And it is important to remember when you go into a, a denim department in, um, in the mall, like if you go into a department store, the denim section has so many different types of yeah. denim, you know, with all different brands. So it is important that even if you are making something that is similar to each other, there is, you're still different. And um, in your styling and uh, in your customer base. So um, I believe in collaboration too. And in terms of, you know, I do want you to be able to have some, because your experience is valuable, but not to other, like into other brands, I think being collaborative, but you know, um, I hope that all of you one day are paid consultants by big box retailers (laughs) as the experts. 
um, you know, in terms of design specifically, um, I, um, it's hard, you know, the visibility issue is huge right now. Um, we were, um, I, I was quoted in the New York times, I believe it was in February, January or February, um, about the, um, Facebook algorithm. Now I have, so I have had a Facebook store since COVID. I, um, because of COVID, I was like, oh my goodness, I need to have a Facebook and Instagram store. So, um, starting in COVID during when COVID first hit, I, um, I launched our website to make sure we had a store on Facebook and Instagram. And I noticed very quickly that I had 150, um, or more, I think I had over 200, um, uh, uh, blocked, rejected products. And I looked into it and to be honest, I have so much going on as an entrepreneur so much going on. And I'm all by myself over here. Oh my God, Alex, you're blowing my mind right now because I have over 300 and something <laughs> products and I never even never put it together. I'm a part of that movement with you and I've never put it together. Why those products are blocked. Cause I've never had the chance to look. Oh my, I'm sorry. Mind blown over here. Exactly. So, so as an entrepreneur, you know, we, we have so much going on and especially, you know, we're trying to create this whole new industry and, um, it, you know, I, and it's hard also because I'm, I'm consulting and trying to get these big box retailers to, to move forward and, and be in, you know, it's 2021 to be inclusive, to have representation, to have accessibility. And then I'm dealing with Facebook who is rejecting products due to images that have mobility aids, um, uh, include words such as braille, wheelchair, um, hearing aid, cochlear implant, pick line, um, uh, adaptive, accessible, any of these words, products are getting rejected. Um, images of people um, with mo- any type of mobility aid, wheelchairs, getting getting rejected and getting deemed as medical products, even though we know we're fashion products that are functional. And so we're fashion and we're getting rejected and we're having to fight an algorithm that is not, it's not a human being. Like which is already you know, hard I enough to humans. do. I could right? Like, which is already a struggle yes. on, like, to do as a small business. Let's be real. Yes. So then to have the time to then go in and then I'm constantly just, like, fighting it, fighting it, fighting it. So we, so I didn't realize, because I don't have the time, that this, I, I didn't have the time to, like, analyze the products that was going on. And, and I didn't think to think, okay, let me talk to my brands who I'm getting. I didn't have the Absolutely. time. And um, thank you. Thankfully, Mora at Magnaretti and Juniper says to me, hey, are you experiencing this? And I was like, yeah. So we brought brands together in January of last year. I'm sorry, I'm not making that clear, but it was a year ago, a year and a half ago. Um, And we were um, quoted in the New York Times. We had a great article there. But I wish we didn't have to have an article. You know, I wish this wasn't a thing. So they didn't, Facebook doesn't mean it. They didn't mean to be discriminating against people with They're disabilities. They're not human. But they created an algorithm. But and, and yes, and they created an algorithm without yeah, thinking exactly. about us. So they created it and now they're trying to backtrack and try to fix it. Which, you know, in order to do inclusivity and universal design and accessibility, right, you gotta think about people with disabilities from the beginning. Yes. Um but if you if you didn't, you can backtrack. Um, but you need the help from the community. And and I think question: Are you on Clubhouse? Yes, I am on Clubhouse. That's how so I, I met. That's a great example. That's a gr- oh yeah, duh. beginning of the script, <laughs> guys. That was a whole forty five minutes ago. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, seriously, I think uh, Clubhouse is a smaller and m- more recent example of like that idea of 
thinking about accessibility and the disabled community after and how hard it is, right? With that, with, with their app for as great as, as it is, it cut out a huge, it, it was like, it was a, it, it was a problem. It was not yes. accessible to everyone. Yes. And I will tell you that, you know, this isn't just an, um, an issue for us brands. You know, people with disabilities and chronic illness are being um, silenced. They are being, um, uh, I, it, it's true discrimination against people with disabilities because they're, it's not even just our brands. They're, their posts are getting taken down, deemed as medical. And um, so my thing is that this is hurting people, our people, you know, people that our customer base, um, people that, um, you know, I know we all identify with, uh, with, um, with disabilities and chronic illness. It's, it's our community. It's our family that's being silenced. And that's the bigger issue for me. And I know it is for both of you. Um, and, you know, when it comes to, it, it's just, you know, why would, why would a company hire someone in a wheelchair or a mobility aid, if they know the ads are going to be taken down on Facebook, this, this, such is, a bigger to, problem. this is hindering models. From getting, it's, yeah. It's hindering models with disabilities to get, getting hired. And now it's not just an adaptive fashion brand issue. This is every single brand in the world because every single brand should be hiring people with visible disabilities. And if you're not, we're going to remember, <laughs> but I will tell you that Facebook right now will be taking them down and rejecting them. So this is this is a this is not just an adaptive uh, brand issue. This is not uh, it is truly an issue for um, that is affecting all people with visible disabilities. And but it's an every brand issue because every brand should be hiring people with disabilities. I think I say like this reminds me of like what I always say when like do not wait until this issue is affecting you to care about it. Mm-hmm. Care before it's your yeah. sister, your brother, your mother, your colleague. Your worst enemy, care before them because I'm telling you, it is too hard to care about fighting the entire world and what's wrong with it before. I mean, yeah, after. Yes. Like when you're in the midst of it, if that makes sense. Yes, it totally does. It gets me so fired up, so I apologize. No, no, no. no, Yeah, definitely no apologies here. You you clearly have not heard my, you know, rant on apologies and okay, I got you. Um Okay, I'm not, I'm not sorry. I'm, I'm not, not sorry. sorry. I, I love it. Alex, that New York Times article was incredible. We are going to link it in the show notes for our listeners to check out. But what can we do to fix the problem of visibility for the adaptive fashion community? That's a great question. I um my our and I know that you guys are involved with this initiative also. My new very good friend, Victoria from Unhidden Clothing. Um yeah, she has sparked um an initiative um utilizing Samantha Bullock's um uh, WhatsApp group, which was started, um, right when COVID hit Samantha Bullock, um, started that for us to, to, to connect and support one another, which I love our WhatsApp, uh, WhatsApp group we're both involved in. So, um, I love what Victoria is doing in terms of getting brands together. She has, I believe, and she'll be mad at me. I don't have the number. It could be more than this. I, I think it's over 60 Crazy. brands who have kind of joined forces to spread the word about, um, what this algorithm is doing, what it is, and and the discrimination that's happening, um, and you know what I, you know I, again I have to say that Facebook doesn't mean to be doing this, and it, and I I I hope that Facebook can you know and I think they have I think there was a um, if you check out take a look at that um, 
New York Times article, I do think that they were quoted recently that they're working on it. I, I hope that they reach out to us brands and not just brands in the adaptive fashion space, but in other spaces as well. Because again, physical disabilities, people with physical disabilities should be modeling for every brand. Um, and they should be specifically working with people with disabilities to talk about what what posts are getting taken down, what products are getting taken down, and how to make this right. Um, and in order to make it right, they have to be working with the community, um, not just for us, but with us to, to fix this problem. A hundred percent agree on that. I will say Mark Zuckerberger is naturally one of um, my many followers. <laughs> just kidding, guys. I have like no followers. But, um, but no, <laughs> Mark. Or exactly. call Just us. like, you know, drop a line right here, Patty and Ricky. Um, call her because I probably yeah, won't pick call up. Me. Not because I don't like <laughs> you, Mark, but, um, but I will say that point to the point of like, like uh, Facebook doesn't mean it. I will say I have to believe that with um, what they're doing, um, the Zuckerbergers in general with the Rares One initiative and other things that they've kind of dove into, I I do hope yes. it gets across their desk because I do think that they will fix the problem. And that could be us just being rose-colored glasses, but I have to live in a world in which that is the case. Um, I'm the same way. Uh, sorry, Mom. I know you hate when I wear rose-colored glasses, but uh, I think <laughs> my, I need to keep my feet on the ground, but my head in the clouds. I'm an incredibly optimistic person. I hear you. Um, my husband says he's very confused by me. Like he's very, he calls himself realistic, but it's good. We're good. We're a good. Um, we complement each other. Well, um, if we were both optimistic like me, it would be, it would be all sorts of problems. Um, but I hear you. I hear you. And I think that you know, the time really is now. I think people are thinking about inclusivity more than ever before. I also think this is the time for functional, adaptive fashion. People are thinking about um, ways in which their clothing has been working for them and not working for them. Historically, fashion has been not functional. Um, and I think the time now is now. Um, and I feel- I like agree. COVID has have made a very interesting um, opening for us. Yes. So what's like, I know you kind of dropped the tea a little bit, but what's next or on the horizon for Patty and Ricky uh, as a brand or? Well, yeah. Well, we are thrilled to have, um, to be working with you. I'm so excited to get your sweatshirt up. I, I've been living in mine and I, um, so I want to be very clear. I did not say, <laughs> to say that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding everyone. <laughs> um, I cannot wait to work with you and, and um, come up with some fun collaborations that, um, and we can work with other brands that. and just have some fun together. Um, we are um, onboarding some really fabulous um, brands in the next couple months, so stay tuned. Um, I'm I, I'm really excited about the partnerships that are coming up, um, and just really highlighting the brands that we've been working with. You know, um, I, I you know I really love everything we're carrying. So we're going to be, of course, doing some fun marketing with all of our brands, and um, and then you know because of COVID. I was approached by this big box retailer to be a consultant and help them onboard some Patty and Ricky designers um, that, um, and, and I'm really excited. I didn't, I always, the way I look at Patty and Ricky is when I started Patty and Ricky, people thought, when I thought, talked about adaptive fashion, they thought medical supply store. And I think that because of Patty and Ricky and Zappos Adaptive and Juniper, now people are thinking beautiful marketplaces. And now my hope is that we can be the bridge to taking from, from being a marketplace to mainstream. And I didn't know prior to COVID how I or Patty and Ricky would be a part of 
taking adaptive, accessible, inclusive fashion mainstream. And I'm very excited about this opportunity to do so in this new way. Um, and I'm, and, um, I'm very proud to work on this project with this, uh, with this brand I'm working with. And they're just saying everything you want to hear in the best way. Um, you know, they really want to work with the community and, um, and they're really passionate about doing it right. So I, I'm very excited for what's to come, and I should have more. Um, I'd love to pop on with you ladies in July when I'm allowed to talk about oh it. Oh, my goodness. Early. You heard it here, folks. Follow-up episode. <laughs> Alex, it. thank you so much for being here today and allowing Rare to be a part of the Patty and Ricky family. As always, peeps, you can find the direct links to Patty and Ricky down in our show notes. Oh my goodness. Thank you, ladies. And thank you for all that you do for our community. Um, I feel lo- so lucky to work with you and I'm just really excited for what the future holds for us. The feeling is so mutual. And as always, for those of you who tune in every week, thank you for helping us bridge the gap between rare disease and the rest of the world. Until next time, live large and stay rare. Catch us next week for another episode. To continue the conversation about rare disease and all the unknowns that comes with it, Join our Facebook group. Want even more rare? Become a VRP member on Patreon and learn more about our stories or how to share yours by visiting bwspod.com.